Welcome to the AFIRE podcast. Demographic trends and migration patterns are fundamental for real estate investors to understand, and we follow this data pretty closely. But how is the current crisis affecting those trends? Gleb Nechayev, a chief economist for Berkshire Residential Investments, wrote an excellent piece on migration patterns for the summer issue of AFIRE Summit. And I thought it would make sense for us to sit down with him here today to get some of his observations about migration patterns in a time of COVID. So thank you, Gleb, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. And thank you very much, Gunnar. It's uh, it's a privilege for me to join you. You asked the question, do people follow jobs or do jobs follow people? And how does it change in a, in a world of COVID-19? So I'd love to start with just asking the question. I mean, as we sit right now, do you think people are following jobs or do you think jobs are following people? Um, it's it's an interesting uh, uh, question, um, Gunnar, because um, it, it does uh, seem that right now, Nothing is moving right. <laughs> in, in either direction. Um, um, but of course, uh, we know from past experiences is that uh, people tend to uh, to follow jobs um, during periods, particularly periods of economic downturns. They go to where jobs are. And so the general um, expectation even uh, now is that um, despite the fact that there are travel restrictions and all that, people are starting to to look for opportunities mm-hmm. and and um, and they want to go to where uh, they, they have a greater chance of getting a job and also where it's going to be safer for them from from the public health standpoint. Did you see similar patterns in the period uh, during and after the great financial crisis or even 9-11? Uh, we did, and 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 that's uh, typically how uh, recoveries uh, take place: is that um, people people start to um, to go to move to where the jobs are, and and uh, suddenly some areas begin to uh, to experience um, greater influx uh, of people, and 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 that creates stronger base for economic recovery, and and subsequently at some point. Uh, it becomes also um, a magnet uh, for jobs. So the more people come into a particular area, the more likely they are uh, to expand their businesses, plan for the future. That include includes uh, different sectors uh, of the economy, and uh, and eventually these are the areas that uh, tend to come out of um, the downturns sooner. But I wonder, and, and, and I've had a few conversations with members around this, certainly the, the crises and the downturns that we've experienced in the last, let's say, 75 years have been relatively short shocks compared to what we're dealing with right now, where we have a crisis. We're now four or five months into this crisis. We're still in a lot of markets in the United States in lockdown. The economy is really not yet in recovery mode. Do you see their end? On top of that, you've got a kind of migration that has occurred within, maybe it's a temporary migration within the uh, the context of COVID-19, where people are trying to get away from city centers and certainly are not even going to work within those CBDs. Where do you see the, the recovery 
from COVID-19 looking different in terms of migration patterns than, say, the great financial crisis. Do you think there's a notable difference or do you think it's just timing? I think there will be uh, some differences for sure. Um, and we just still uh, too early um, with respect to data uh, to give uh, a more substanti substantiated answer uh, to that question because we're just starting to, to see some early data. We only had maybe one or two months of um, metro level employment data that uh, that can be um, aggregated and 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 uh, understood from the perspective of uh, where the jobs are there are different views uh, as as to how um, prolonged uh, this shock might be uh, and and uh, we know for example that that the great financial uh, crisis was followed by a very long period uh, of recovery and if you look at what the expectations are, at least right now, based on um, um, you know different scenarios, of course, uh, that that this crisis, if we could get handle on the pandemic, uh, if that could be curbed uh, successfully, then uh, the recovery could take uh, much less time than uh, the recovery after the great financial crisis. And 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 what we're seeing, uh, for example, in the early data already in, in the data that was released in May and June, is that uh, certainly areas that um, uh, that were not as uh, exposed uh, to uh, to the pandemic, to the to, to the infections, um, and and which also didn't have um, industry exposure that would make it difficult uh, for them to to recover, uh, started to see uh, a pretty uh, pretty strong um, recovery uh, in follow, following the initial shock. So that that uh, was quite promising, um, and of course now we're back now that we're in July and we're looking at. Um, a new um, wave or or, or 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 increase in in the rate of infections around the country, and so that's giving uh, a lot of uh, economists a pause as to how sustainable that uh, that turnaround that we've experienced in May and June might be um, until until this gets um, under control. Uh, but now, uh, to, with regards to the question as to uh, how people react to this, uh, and there, 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 uh, and you mentioned a couple of examples, including the um, movements uh, towards the suburbs, for example. We are seeing uh, that to some degree uh, from um, uh, from uh, the performance of different properties, uh, at least on the residential side, in that in that uh, there is clearly an indication. While we haven't seen it in 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 the employment numbers or population numbers because those haven't re been released yet, so those lag. But we do have some early indications as to what um, people are doing as a response to uh, to, uh, to the pandemic and clearly properties uh, that are uh, further in the suburbs uh, rather than in the central urban core or um, properties with larger units which also tend to be more either on the urban fringe or um, more in the suburban locations are doing um, better uh, than uh, than the high-rise properties in in the urban core so uh, 
people are moving and 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 they're moving to at this i think largely right now the decisions uh, related to migrations within metropolitan areas or across metropolitan areas are more driven uh, by their um, public health considerations uh, rather than jobs per se but i think we will start seeing uh, the impact uh, or, or of the job search decision on on the mobility um, probably within the next couple of months you discussed a bit in your article uh, the net population decline since 2015 of of core markets like chicago la new york city and slowing of growth in markets like boston san francisco and dc you've just named the in in those the the top six markets for international investors to be investing in how do you anticipate or i'm sure there's more than one scenario will those population kind of net out migrations continue in the years to come or do you think that there will be some tempering of of that as we go forward i think in the near term uh the these gateway cities uh are going to experience some uh, headwinds to their population growth and that uh is primarily due to the fact that uh, much of their growth whatever growth they had and some of them actually so outright declines in the last couple of years but whatever growth they might uh, have uh, comes from foreign migration and and as a result of the pandemic, I think the general expectation is that that immigration, foreign immigration uh, into the U.S., uh, at least in the near term, is uh, going to be somewhat curtailed as a result of this pandemic. So uh, whatever these cities have experienced over the last five years, as, as we're discussing in the article, um, in the next year or two, perhaps even, uh, there is going to be additional pressure um, on, on, on their population growth coming from, from, uh, from the slower pace of foreign migration into the cities. And the domestic uh, flows might uh, pause to some degree. So that, from that perspective, uh, maybe um, that will help them a little bit because maybe people will not move as much uh, out, but that depends. That depends on how well they manage um, the public health side of this crisis, um, and uh, if um, if they are able to to provide safety uh, to to residents and 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 people are able to uh, to work um, in in the way that that makes them comfortable in staying staying in that in in these areas and there are jobs in these in these areas then then they will continue to uh, um, uh, perhaps uh, they, 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 that flow of people out of these cities might um, may not be quite as negative uh, as it was over the last few years but we still don't know a lot about this uh, crisis uh, to really make any definitive statements about that. Well, and I think it's a real unknown as well when we look at an environment where there's a bit of a flattening of the growth curve in terms of the working age population across the United States and our heavy dependence on international immigration to kind of bring in uh, or to continue growth, especially amongst those that are, say, younger than 65. Um, my concern is, and I keep wondering, and, and there's, it's a real kind of, it could go either way uh, based on the U.S. elections. Um, 
could we see more obstacles to international immigration in the United States, or are we going to see less? And and that could have a real impact on this picture as well, in addition to the, the concerns around COVID. Absolutely. And you mentioned age demographics. That's a very important aspect um, of uh, migration in general, uh, because if you think about uh, who is moving the most, if you whether it's foreign migration or domestic migration, it's younger people. It's people under the age of 35. They account for a vast uh, share of uh, of the overall migration, for example, within the United States. And uh, coincidentally, they're also the ones who are considered to be prime renters. So when it comes, for example, uh, to uh, apartment investing, understanding uh, where the young people are going to move, whether they're coming from uh, abroad or uh, or the larger share of them who are moving are, are domestic uh, uh, residents, uh, will determine uh, how much demand might grow um, for, for example, for apartments uh, in uh, in different uh, cities around the country, and so uh, th that's more of a of a market level discussion. But there is also uh, a more macro uh, level uh, that has to do with the fact that U.S. population is aging, just as uh, population around the world is aging, and as people get older uh, and as population gets older, people just don't tend to move as much. So this is why when I wrote this article, I thought that migration is is a very important consideration now uh, as a as a factor driving growth, whether it because of the changes in major changes in demographic composition of the population uh, even before um, before this crisis, uh, whether it's because um, um, the composition uh, of um, or the movement of people within the United States uh, is now predominantly shifting towards, or at least prior to the, to the um, crisis, was predominantly in the south and west parts of the country. And so understanding the implication of these trends, uh, both on a macro level uh, and the drivers of future growth uh, for population and the economy overall, as well as at the market level, and then the other component to that is understanding uh, who is moving and why uh, is the last piece of the puzzle, so to speak. Well, on that question of who, you talked a little bit in the article around kind of some of the nuance uh, market to market in terms of the socioeconomic profile of who's migrating in and out of particular markets. Can you bring some color to that? Absolutely. And um, I mentioned two examples, which uh, which I think are very um, uh, colorful examples of two markets uh, that are among the fastest growing uh, or were among the fastest growing uh, markets of the last five years, for example, Austin, Texas and Orlando, Florida. And um, both of them are these are markets of similar size, uh, more or less. Uh, they uh, tend to have very vibrant economies, and 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 that's attracting uh, people, uh, young people uh, in particular, uh, to 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 these areas. Uh, but. The interesting aspect of migration is it's not just uh, the overall number of people who are moving in a particular metro area, but it's the composition um, and and where are they coming from? Because there's it's it when people look at at uh, the flow uh, 
of migrants in a particular metro area. There is always people coming in and there is always people coming out. And so we tend to focus on the net migration, uh, but it, but it's the so-called churn, quote unquote, that, that, that really is important for understanding the composition of demand. It's where are the people coming from uh, and uh, who is living and who is coming in. And, 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 and when you look at these two cities, for example, Austin and Orlando, you'll notice that Austin, for example, has a much more diverse uh, group of geographic areas uh, that is attracted uh, that 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 is attracting people to Austin, uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast, and uh, mostly mostly actually a lot of the gateway markets that we talked about earlier. Uh, whereas if you look at Orlando, uh, Orlando is uh, much more concentrated uh, with respect to its migration coming from from other places in Florida. It does get a lot of migrants from other areas. Don't get me wrong, but if but if you compare these uh, two cities uh, that have similar rate similar rates of migration, um, the composition of migration into these cities is quite different. And and from the investment standpoint, that's also important to understand. Are you are you going to uh, is this migration going to benefit more um, urban product or suburban product? Is it going to uh, perhaps benefit uh, some um, uh, segments that are more like workforce housing versus more more luxury housing? Uh, that's when you, by understanding some of these trends, uh, you get a little bit more uh, into the composition of demand, uh, and 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 that that is uh, what we're spending uh, a lot of time thinking about and 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 trying to extract some of these trends um, to better understand which types of product, in case of apartments, for example, might benefit more um, or less, depending on um, who is coming in and who is moving out. So when you look at the next uh, few months into the next year or two, what are the indicators that you're going to pay close attention to? Uh, there are uh, two factors right now that that in our in preliminary analysis and 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 uh, some of the early also data that that seems to be coming out from different sources that indicates uh, are very relevant at the moment in terms of shaping uh, the demand which is not surprising one is is the actual public health um, climate is the actual public health climate in different cities? Uh, what is the spread of infections? Is it is it rising? Is it is it falling? Is it stabilizing? And what's the uh, how is the local uh, city government metro metro area uh, economy dealing with that? Just from a purely public health standpoint. And the other side to that is the industry composition. So let me give you an example: Las Vegas. Las Vegas uh, was one of the markets already that was hit pretty hard um, by um, by the by the crisis. Not so much because it it, it uh, experienced a significant rise in infections in in April and May, but obviously because of the tourism industry, which which has suffered as a result of the shutdown of the lockdown. Um, so uh, clearly, um, places like Las Vegas, I mean, perhaps to a lesser degree. Uh, Orlando uh, are going to be affected uh, from a purely uh, 
industry composition or industry exposure um, aspect, let alone if, for example, there is an, an additional uh, pressure coming from, uh, from uh, rising infections, as we're seeing, for example, uh, now in Florida. Doesn't mean that it, uh, it can go away soon again, um, but, but it is something that we're obviously watching uh, very carefully as, as, uh, uh, as, as, as the factors that are going to be impacting the immediate dynamic. But then the other ones uh, that we talked about are more long-term. Uh, how are people's perceptions of the situation are going to play out in terms of their longer-term decisions with regards to where they want to live? How much uh, will it shape the flows of people into the suburbs, for example, is in the way from cities? Um, and what types of uh, markets will see more of that uh, movement uh, for whatever reason? Um, affordability. Um, this crisis, and you alluded to that earlier, uh, is, is, is hitting a lot of households very hard. Uh, from uh, from the income standpoint, uh, and if it were not for uh, for the government uh, support right now, uh, it it uh, it would be even harder. Um, so uh, affordability is going to be, which was already an issue even prior to uh, to the to the to the crisis. Housing affordability more broadly, affordability of home ownership, but also affordability of renting. Uh, is going to become even more or a more pronounced issue uh, as as the uh, house as, as all these households uh, are uh, burdened even more. So that's 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 something to, certainly for us to to monitor very closely. Absolutely. Well, uh, unfortunately, Gleb, we've run out of time for this discussion, but I would encourage everyone who's listening to spend some time with the August Summit Journal and read Gleb's uh, analysis of migration patterns and to look at some of the trends uh, that we will all be following pretty closely in the months ahead. So thank you, Gleb, for joining us. Thank you so much, Gunnar. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity. And before we close out this podcast, I wanted to make sure we took some time to thank our underwriters, Prologis, JLL, and Holland Partners, who make it possible for AFIRE to provide programming such as these podcasts. Thank you. This podcast is produced by AFIRE, the Association for International Real Estate Investors focused on commercial property in the United States. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice through this podcast. None of the content is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included in this podcast may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable, though AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of its respective contributors and sources and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. This is Gunnar Branson from the AFIRE podcast. Thank you for listening.